Hello, everyone. I'm Krupa Kothadia and a prospective PhD student of data science, analytics, and engineering at Arizona State University. I'm privileged today to moderate a panel discussion on should AI development really take a pause? Recently, the news media has been filled with reports and debates on the powers and dangers of artificial intelligence. Adding to the confusion, even experts have been differing in their opinions. This panel discussion is intended to help clarify and provide interesting perspectives on the topic. This panel comprises representation of both from academia and industry. Also, I would like to request the audience to please mute yourself. And if you have any questions for our panelists, then you can type it in the chat and we will pick few questions in sequence depending on the time left. Well, let me introduce to our honorable panelists. We have here Dr. Hara Lambos Patrikakis. He is a professor at the Department of Electrical and Electronics Engineering of University of West Attica. He is founding member of Thingenius, a spin-off company of University of West Attica, specializing in AI and deep learning solutions. He is also the director of the Computer Network and Services Research Laboratory, an MSc program, which focuses on artificial intelligence and deep learning. We have Dr. Vishnu Pandyala. He is a faculty member in Applied Data Science and an academic senator with San Jose State University. He is the current chair of the IEEE Computer Society Santa Clara Valley chapter, and he is an IEEE Computer Society distinguished contributor. His book, Veracity of Big Data, is available at MIT, Stanford, CMU, the US Congress, and internationally. He has received the Ramanujan Memorial Gold Medal and a shield for his college at the State Math Olympiad. We have Manish Mradul. He is currently a director with Palo Alto Networks. He is experienced with managing multiple engineering teams, DevOps teams, and support teams distributed across geographies. Manish worked on multiple releases of enterprise software product and services. And we have Prasanna Vijayanathan. He is a seasoned professional with over a decade of experience in building high-performance applications and frameworks. Currently employed at Netflix, he holds a prominent role as an engineer and lead. His technical expertise and proficiency lie in building high-performance, low-latency applications on web and mobile platforms using data analysis and artificial intelligence. A heartfelt welcome to everyone. And let's start with the very theme of this panel discussion. Are the recent calls for a pause to AI development justified? So from the panelists, who would like to take this question first? Okay, I can go first. Uh, <clears throat> sure. In the interest of time. Uh, so this is a very pertinent question, uh, but an interesting one as well. There were chatbots in the use before. Uh, there was Siri, Alexa, and Dali before. Copilot is nothing new either. And uh, autonomous vehicles and uh, UAVs have been there for a while now. Computers passed the Turing test long back, maybe a decade ago. Uh, so what is new is the scale and the unprecedented attention ChatGPT drew, right? Um, so some experts seem to be riding on this wave of unexpected attention, creating news. 
research is all about creating anyway. Um, so if at all there is a real concern, we should have worried when the transformer architecture was invented, or for that matter, even when the neural networks were invented. So I do not believe that uh, there is a real need to pause at this time. So I, I don't think the, uh, the scare that, has, uh, uh, that is generated in the recent times is really justified. I don't know what others think. Um, so Vishnu, I think I agree with you. Like, uh, the, I, th I believe the transformation has been an ongoing process. We have been seeing this from a couple of decades and it is, it is a continuous process that, that has been seen. I think the major thing around this time is around the scale of the work, like the scale at which is, it is adopted and the speed at which it is adopted. So probably the fears around the economic instability due to the job shifts and probably the loss of privacy is probably some of the major thing. I think some of the earlier discussion talked about similar things, but I'm, I, I agree with you, like this has been a regular process. We will we'll see this and we'll see the counter mechanism coming into the place for the risk associated and the skill, skill level changes. So I think, I think that's the way the industry will go. I think Prasanna has his hand up. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, yes, I want to plus one both the sides of the conversation because that's what I've been hearing in other panels as well. I work with other nonprofits that focus on education and improving social capital of uh, students. And one fear that's been underlying uh, all the conversations till now is just uh, is AI going to take her jobs? Like that's um, and I feel like AI development and uh, the rollout should be separated out. And I don't see a need to pause AI development or the research to understand and do things better uh, with more focus on uh, the ethical and socioeconomic uh, impact of AI at this scale. Uh, however, until we understand the impact of it on the society and how it's going to transform different job roles and scenarios, uh, we, it would be good to have a slowdown at least in the rollout, uh, at least not at the scale that we are seeing right now, but I don't know how feasible that would be at a global scale. Okay, Dr. Kakis. Yes, um, well, I think that uh... Even the, the choice of words here uh, should be careful. If we go from uh, the excitement that uh, the large language models have created to fear, then we are skipping all the intermediate stages, which are more important uh, concern or worries about the use of this, um, this new tool, an, an unprecedented tool so far, because in the history of humankind, there have been inventions that have drastically changed the way we, we humans work, uh, collaborate, uh, live, uh, the will, fire. Uh, even uh, military inventions, which were not invented for good, such as the atomic bomb, but all these have been tools, tools used by humans, and we always relied on the rationale of humans to make good use of it. Now, it's the first time that one of these tools seemed to be able to evolve and think on its own. 
well, this this is a big uh, discussion. What thing means? Also, what uh, reproduce itself might mean because there are concerns about that. So, um, yes, we should we should worry about uh, paving a way in uh, uh, that uh, will uh, have this tool be used for the for the. Uh, for the benefit of uh, mankind and not to repeat mistakes that we've done in the past. A, a very trivial uh, mistake that we did not see at the time was when internet was created, no one thought about security over internet. And now we are constantly trying to, to patch up the internet in terms of security. So let us not repeat the, the mistakes of the past. And definitely there should be no stop here. We should go along with the flow because if we try to stop it then i'm sure that uh people will people with bad intentions will try to take advantage of it so listening to your all concerns like is there or isn't there a cause for worry at all So I think we need to be prepared and not wait for a catastrophe to happen. Uh, unfortunately, these uh, powerful inventions like uh, quantum computing and artificial intelligence are double-edged swords. And the key to human centricity lies in their usage, like uh, uh, Dr. Patrickakis and others were also mentioning. So at this time, it appears that uh, the technology may not go out of control, but misuse of the technology could. Um, in my opinion, I think there are more pressing needs to worry about in the immediate future, such as the threat to cybersecurity from quantum computing, our sustainable future, the climate change, the weather uh, patterns evolving. So I think those are the more pressing things to worry about uh, than uh, worrying about the transformer architecture. That's my opinion. Okay. I would also like to, to add here that there is, there is indeed a reason to worry, but not about the technology itself, not about this technology. We already have reasons to worry, for example, climate change. This new technology will definitely increase the speed that things are happening. So uh, the, the worry was there. We are now being presented with the tools to, to expedite the developments. So if we are to worry about what we humans do and how we do it, we should worry double or we should think double because now we have the, the tools to even uh, expedite our, core, our course towards destruction or reverse the bad things that we have done. Um, I, I want to add my thoughts. Uh, I feel like there is reasonable concern. So there is, uh, I feel it is okay to be worried to an extent where we can, we can stop and think about where we are headed before we uh, just keep going in the direction things are flowing in, especially because this uh, rollout at this scale has been possible mostly because of uh, so quickly is because of the the organizations that are owning this technology. If you compare it to what happened with the internet back then, uh, most of the technology was driven by uh, academia and universities 
and government organizations collaborating all over the world. Uh, today it is different in a sense. Uh, a lot of it is driven by uh, research uh, and rollout from corporations, which don't have, which probably have different uh, motivations to roll out than what academia or research might have. So I, I still feel like there is a concern for the scale at which and the pace at which we are rolling out uh, technologies. But if we be, if we are intentional as as a, as a global society, if we are intentional about how we want to do it, like for example, there are research that's going on in how we use AI and robotics to build smarter cities, uh, safer cities, uh, sustainability and green tech, even education. Uh, those are all things that can really benefit uh, humankind. And so we need to be intentional about uh, how we are using the, the technology that we have today. Uh, and yeah, that's, I think that would be the main concern. Are we intentional about where we are headed and how we are heading there? Okay. So just to add to it, essentially like, um, this is this is uh, this is so much groundbreaking for most of the organization that people will every leader will want to kind of jump into it otherwise it will be fatal for the business so so in my opinion like this is going technology is going to advance what we need probably is a way for or or wait for us to fund the academia and the and the regulations around it so that that can also move at the same speed and kind of uh, counterbalance it. Uh, at the end, we need technology. Like we, we, we cannot really uh, regulate it through laws only. We need, we need technological advance, and we need the academia to kind of research into it and build the counter technology at the same speed, so that it can be kind of, uh, at, if not countered, it can be. Um, there can be enough awareness, and there can be enough um, masses to kind of understand the implication of it and um, build build appropriate tooling around it to be able to kind of uh, prevent any uh, prevent any misuse right uh, thank you all so as manish mentioned uh, like there are many industries that are jumping currently into ai development and a pause to ai development will affect their businesses so uh, like even if there is a need to pause the development of AI in future, will the industry hit to the call? So, uh, I'll start. <laughs> um, in my opinion, no. Uh, so we have experienced this uh, in the recent times as well, right? Uh, Elon Musk signed the letter for the pause, but uh, started his own AI venture. Right. And Microsoft, we heard uh, that uh, Microsoft laid off the entire team, which was meant to act as a conscience keeper, putting brakes on AI research for uh, ethics concerns. So this is a race and uh, no one likes to stop in a race. Right. Um, so I don't think anyone would heed uh, to the call. That's my opinion. Okay. Uh, to add to that, uh, the examples which you mentioned are still corporate entities within the same geopolitical boundaries. Think about uh, the whole world and all the other boundaries that people wouldn't respect. 
so I, I think even if you're talking about a pause, it's almost impossible to have a, at least you know, with the current state of things. If if something like how we handle uh, protecting the ozone layer comes into play, where the world recognizes the risks and comes together, uh, that would be the right direction to go in. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. Okay, so as per Prasanna, like uh, uh, you are mentioning that it's uh, not possible to pause the AI development, right? So like here comes my next question, then can AI pose an uh, ex existential threat in the future? Uh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, good. So uh, AI has immense potential, right? Uh, like we all know, artificial neural networks uh, serve as universal function approximators. So there is some basis to fear that uh, AI can go out of control, but I think we are far, far away from there. Um, AI will continue to be in the control of the prompts from the people and the environment. At least with the currently available paradigms, um, I think that's what it seems like. Um, so even the chat GPT that is powered by RLHF, uh, reinforcement learning with human feedback, is also with human involvement. The inputs and outputs of the gigantic network are still in our control, however gigantic the network may be, right? Um, otherwise, uh, autonomous vehicles and drones would have uh, already started killing us, right? It is like this. In this panel, what is the risk that others on the panel or I can go out of control and talk nonsense? Probably 0%, right? Because we are still guided by our prompts and the reactions uh, from the audience. Um, Krupa is acting as like, like our prompt engineer, right? She's prompting us with the uh, questions. So it is very unlikely that we may go out of control. The control of artificial intelligence will continue to be in the prompt engineering space uh, unless uh, a drastically new paradigm is invented and uh, there's plenty of time for that. I don't think we need to worry about it right now. I, I would also uh, like to, to add here, I, I fully agree. I fully agree there I don't see any any currently any existential threat uh, in the future however we do not know how this will evolve and keeping in mind that um, if excessive power is given uh, to an automated system that might not be regulated then we might face such a risk uh, then we will simply drive it safely and whatever the developments will be, we will never have to fear that AI might might pose an existential threat. Okay. Um, so um, I think it's good to ask a question of what does existential threat mean? Um, if you're thinking about AI taking over humanity and destroying all of us, I agree we would be we are probably very far away and we have a lot more norms to control uh, before it gets there. But then uh, I feel like we should be wary of uh, more uh, subtle threats 
to the society and the economy because economy is what drives a society and maintains sanity. And if those things come under question, and this is why I go back to my point earlier about corporate entities controlling uh, the technology more than academia or government. The reason is the motivations would be different. And then uh, if if we uh, we are very close to having like uh, good integration of uh, NLP and mechatronics today that can say replace jobs in making a pizza restaurant. Right? That, that we are very close to that. What happens to the job loss then? And how are we equipped to handle uh, the the losses to those uh, individuals and families facing economic crisis? With A actually replacing their jobs, right? there could be some truth to that fear. And if if that escalates without control, then it could lead to at least some level of existential threat, uh, if not completely. So I think there is a reason to be wary about it and make sure we we at least know what we are getting into. So. I think one of the concerns which keeps coming is like, can can the overall uh, intelligence of, of the AI can surpass the human intelligence, right? Like that's probably something that very I don't know how real it is, um, but but the scale that it is growing, can, can the collective intelligence bypass or probably the data point can bypass and can can that happen at some point of future? I don't know, but that's probably something to kind of. Uh, look forward for if the if, if the system is probably designed for with good intentions like probably it, it is supposed to keep and it, it is couple, supposed to keep adversity out it is supposed to kind of have the privacy controls in place but um uh, inadvertently if the system become intelligent if system has enough data point to be able to do its job at, at its kind of best and if that system kind of is able to learn self-learn so much, then then can it can it kind of sometime overtake inadvertently, not not necessarily kind of by by design. That's probably the concern. But at this point of time, there is not enough data point to be able to say yes or no. So probably I think technological innovation will continue, and it has to continue. We just have to kind of uh, look for those signals. Thank you. So. Now, this question is particularly to Dr. Vishnu, but others can also chime in. So uh, during the recent IEEE conference on AI, Dr. Vishnu mentioned that the biggest concern with AI currently is misinformation at scale. Why is misinformation and fake news difficult to be contained? Yeah, that's a very pertinent question. Um, so yeah, we had a similar kind of panel discussion in the IEEE conference on AI, which Krupa also attended. Um, so yeah, there was no time to elaborate on the on that. Uh, uh, so uh, this is uh, really an important question because hundreds or thousands of papers uh, have claimed great success at detecting misinformation. So then why why uh, why and how come uh, the fake news is still uh, prevalent today? Some of these research papers have claimed 100% accuracy of their models. Um, in fact, uh, uh, I presented a uh, paper in the same IEEE conference uh, on AI as well, in addition to the panel discussion. And uh, in that uh, 
project, our experiments show that uh, the current representation learning techniques are not sufficient to separate misinformation from genuine. Uh, misinformation containment has been proven to be NP-hard more than a decade ago. So it is, of course, a good candidate for artificial intelligence in that respect. Uh, but the fact is that truth is complex. Um, it is temporal, it is subjective, and it is relative, right? Uh, there were times when the truth about the earth was that it is flat. It was so blatant. And people who believe that the truth uh, is that uh, God does not exist. There are some people uh, believe God does not exist. And uh, objects that are small are really small only when compared to other relatively large objects. So that's the reason why there is relativity, there's subjectivity, and there is temporalness uh, in truth. Um, whereas, uh, on the other hand, machine learning models used in the current literature are fixed and uh, cannot handle the dynamic variations in subjectivity or relativity. Um, so the other thing is determining truth can uh, require a huge corpus of uh, prior knowledge. See, large language models are um, uh, therefore a good tool, but unfortunately they compounded the problem. In fact, they are generating more misinformation than uh, uh, truthful information. So uh, that's one of the reasons uh, I still uh, depend on Google search uh, rather than on ChatGPT for most of my information needs. Um, there are several other reasons also. I explained uh, those in my papers, and uh, uh, there's also a video on IEEE.TV uh, explaining more reasons. Um, so I don't know if others have any opinion on that. I I have uh, recently completed a project on uh, fake news over social media and currently leading um my group in another European project uh, again on fake news and misinformation on on science, uh, and um, there is a, there is a, apart from the technical part, there is also the human part involved here. Uh, the techniques used by people that want to spread misinformation uh, are different than uh, the techniques used by scientists or people that actually deliver um, information that is valid. So the, the first ones uh, uh, try to, to impress you or try to catch you off guard. Uh, and while the second are speaking with uh, um, arguments uh, and uh, the, the voice of logic. Now, in a, in a time where uh, there is no time to search for information, as you said earlier, where we rely on, on videos, where we rely on fast food information delivered to us, it's very easy for the people th that can uh, pass misinformation to find their ways. And uh, therefore, uh, it's very difficult. And one also important thing is that uh, my truth might not be your truth. My religious, my ethical, my um, uh, societal beliefs might not be the same uh, as yours. So uh, it's a very uh, difficult thing to, to say that this is truth and this is uh, fake. Right. But to build on this, like your somebody's preconceived notion might come in the way of determining the truth, right? 
um, definitely like that's that's definitely an area uh, that that kind of is a problem um, or probably hindering in determining the true fate in the in the fake versus truth of the uh, media available. Uh, but at the same time, probably technology can aid. One of uh, in first presentation in this session was about like how to detect the uh, how to how to make exams more um, more successful or probably uh, outside of the bad behaviors. It's probably same techniques can be applied. There can be technology which can aid into it. Like probably you can have voice uh, anomalies in voice voice patterns. You can have anomalies in the body posture uh, in in this defect media that is available and. That can potentially flag some of these. Like what I'm saying is, technology can be enabler of uh, identifying these defects, as well as uh, probably the media literacy around. Like uh, there is there are defects available if we can have this awareness in the public, so that they can be a better consumer of this information. That can also be probably like something that can help. It will not avoid 100%, but it will probably at least make everybody educated consumer of this information. I think this uh, this is a very interesting question because it goes back to us being intentional as a society and where we want to invest with this technology. Uh, do we want to invest in making uh, enabling deep fakes better, or should we invest in uh, explainability of the models so we can uh, while the video is running, we know whether it's deep deep fake or not, right? as an example. Uh, so when the when a user is consuming a video, they would know if it's a deep fake or not, or maybe it's not played at all. Different things that so it depends on where we want to invest now, and, and that's where I think we need to uh, again be intentional about uh, where we want to invest. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for the insight on this concern. So how do we ensure ethical considerations are adequately addressed in AI development? So in my opinion, I think AI developers need to have a holistic uh, view of the domain. Often when a developer is asked to comment on uh, an ethical implication of their software, the typical answer is, oh, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, this has to change, I think. Um, just like there is test-driven development, there should also be an ethics-driven development to ensure ethics compliance. Uh, for instance, um, taking an analogy, um, if a civic construction such as a public building or a flyover causes harm to the public, the construction company is held responsible, right? Uh, similar logic may apply to AI products as well. Uh, the companies, uh, uh, coming up with all these uh, great tools uh, which can cause harm to the public should be made accountable, at least. Uh, but we know how politics and the governments work, so I don't know how much you can trust on that. But yeah, that is my take on it. Okay. Um, uh, there's a... Okay. Uh, here I, I should add that uh, Europe has already taken a step towards this direction with the AI Act. Um, it's still under development. Uh, a milestone was reached mid-June, uh, and hopefully uh, by the end of the year we will have more. And uh, the recent history of GDPR shows that um, there might be a way to address this issue. 
On the other hand, the legislation, the Japan's legislation on generative AI and the results and how this may be treated legally shows that there is still a long way and agreements at the international level need to take place here. Yeah, uh, very similar to that point. I think that's the direction we need to go into. It's uh, first defining what those ethical standards are. That is important. I don't know if AI developers are equipped to do that. It should rather be driven by regulatory authorities like what EU has done uh, or is doing. I think that is what is needed. Who defines what is ethical in AI? Like, could it be one company versus the other? Probably not uh, for the same reason why we won't take a pause. But we need the regulatory authorities to step in and define what it means to have ethics in AI and what those ethical standards are. And then uh, transferring that knowledge to developers and asking them to stick to those terms, like what GDPR did. That was a very good example. And I think that would be the direction to go in. Okay. So, like, we are all aware of the importance of uh, the ethics, the standards of ethics uh, in AI development. So uh, are we investing enough in research to develop AI solutions ethically? Well, I think it is easy to say, but uh, who should invest? Is it the industry who should be investing? It's actually a race, like I mentioned earlier. Um, the race is driven by bottom line and ethics does not matter so much to the bottom line. In fact, it may even go against at this point, that is. I'll come to some other points quickly, but uh, at this point, it seems like uh, ethics do not matter a whole lot to the bottom line. Um, it, they do matter, but not a whole lot. Um, so that's the industry perspective. And if you are talking about the federal government, we all quite well know how it works. A few years ago, I read a news item that um, an assistant professor got the prestigious NSF career award for, uh, I think it was for half a million or something for a five-year project. And within a few weeks or months, a company rolled out the same product. I'm not sure what the researcher did with the half a million and for five years. Um, the Fed recently invested uh, 140 million in the development of uh, seven new National Artificial Intelligence Research Institutes. So these institutes are expected to help the Fed to better understand the risks um, and also the opportunities of artificial intelligence. But uh, I have my own doubts about it. Only time can tell how much of it really produces the results we need. I mean, uh, with, uh, uh, I'll probably stop there. Mm. So, so in a sense, like uh, there is an incentive for people to build, use this technology for um, advancement of their product or their, um, uh, what were they trying to solve for, um, irrespective of whether it kind of um, is completely ethical or not. At the same time, there is a, there need to be checked, there, there need to be incentive for them to um, adopt this ethical behavior. Uh, unless we do that, it's hard for anybody to kind of invest time and money in it. 
Uh, and I believe the best way to do that is either we have technology to assist it or have regulations like, like compliances. Uh, when the payment industry was evolving, uh, there were compliances which came uh, along with it, which essentially ensured that people are uh, addressing, people are storing this information appropriately. Similarly, GDPR came for the similar reason that uh, the information is privacy is taken care of, the information is well kept and well regulated. So probably something similar need to happen because if there is no incentive, then there is uh, there is no reason for people to invest money and time on it. Uh, there need to be there need to be incentive for people to kind of do the right things and probably that can be a combination of academia plus um, uh, regulations in my opinion yeah thank you all so uh, how do we balance the need for technological progress with the potential risk and ethical concerns of ai goes back to a lot of things that we've talked about just now. Um, so what, who defines ethics, who drives it, and who maintains those standards? Um, so I think it goes back to that. We need, we do see the need for regulations and more research on uh, how we're going to use this technology. Uh, so that feels like would obviously shift focus and resources from rolling out at scale. So now the question is, will, will corporates and organizations come together to invest in that? I feel like there is a, there is a possibility that corporates will head in that direction because like recently there was a paper that compared, for example, chatgpt 4s performance back in March to June, I think. And it's all a big drop in accuracy. Um, so, uh, now there are questions about what data are we training on. Uh, so, so there needs to be research on, uh, on in that sense. Now, uh, I'm sure those companies are already investing in those directions. But then you do need that investment into research and understanding. And uh, I, I think we need a similar approach for the ethical standards as well. Uh, I kind of agree with that. Um, companies should be investing in, uh, like I mentioned, ethics-driven devel development uh, rather than firing ethics departments completely. And more importantly, I think people should avoid using products that do not comply with the commonly accepted ethical standards. Right? Uh, like I mentioned uh, uh, in the IEEE conference on artificial intelligence, Responsible AI is uh, everyone's responsibility. For instance, uh, like I mentioned, I still use Google search instead of ChatGPT for uh, most of my information needs. Uh, that's because I anyway I have to cross-check ChatGPT answers to make sure they are truthful. So that's double the work, actually. So in my humble opinion, I think truthfulness is an ethical standard that ChatGPT does not meet. So... So that's the reason why I think people play a very big role in uh, uh, the whole process of making uh, AI ethical. Okay. So I think there's a question on the chat window also. Uh, so Jim, I believe, yeah, Jim is asking, GPT-4 struggles to reason according to Popper's situational logic. 
which covers subjectivity and the like. That seems like a necessary objective, but I'm not sure if any of, uh, if any is or even, uh, sorry, if anyone is or even can work towards it effectively. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I, I don't think machine learning is equipped to handle uh, situational logic very well, uh, at least at this time. So I think it is continuing to be a struggle. Uh, even for uh, the future generations of GPT. That's my take. Is quantum computing could help uh, yeah, to understand the fuzziness of behaviors? That has to be seen. Quantum yeah. computing provides the power, but I don't know, in terms of logic, it's uh, we are still, uh, there's no uh, drastically different paradigm, right? In terms of the logic. Right. So, uh, Dr. Vishnu was very skeptical about the government's regulation of technology in general at the recent IEEE CAI. So, what do the others think? Like, what role should governments and regulatory bodies play in overseeing AI development? The way I see it is there need to be a framework in place. Like, there need to be... Um... For example, government doesn't say that this is the technology that we have to use for complying with, let's say, any other regulation that we have. Um, but but they said that the end result need to meet this criteria, right? So if there are overview level uh, guidelines and and uh, and then probably technology can come in play and kind of help um, help adhere to those uh, guidelines. For example. Um, for example, the truthfulness or probably the previous example that were given is essentially around uh, how do we um, how do we ensure that the intent is good? Uh, if if uh, even if people want to, uh, let's say we want to say that people people are mean people are the driving factor and people should be able to kind of consume the technologies which are which are ethical. If we, if if government has a framework in place to understand that this is also needed by law and technology can enable it later point of time to to provide tooling in the hand of people to say that okay this is this is really meeting the regulation or this is uh, people can see it for themselves that how much it is kind of um, meeting or not meeting that will help that will help drive the adoption of this ethical framework currently even if people want to do it they they are not first they are not aware what is what is the right thing to do and second they they don't have right tooling to understand that it works or not the masses will adopt it if if it if it is beneficial for them so it, if it if there are framework in place and if there are tooling in place uh, a corporate will be incentivized to build this tooling as well because they know that if they provide the tooling to help customer themselves evaluate that this is meeting the ethical guidelines uh, they will also be incentivized to build this tooling um, I, I think the government will play a role of providing the guidelines and then probably the in, and probably incentivize it and then probably industry and uh, academia will probably follow the lead. That's just my general take. Um, I, I would plus one to what Manish mentioned. Uh, to add a little bit uh, and Dr. Vishnu's skepticism, I don't know 
what government is in his mind, uh, but I can relate to some of the skepticism there um, based on what has happened till now. But I think regulatory agencies can step up their game too. And I, I think it is it is needed at this point. So we will have to work together as a society. Uh, regulatory agencies, corporates, people in the society need to work together. Yes, yeah, the cause for, yeah, for my skepticism was uh, uh, mainly because uh, democracies have uh, evolved uh, to being driven by uh, campaign funds and vote bank politics. Uh, so that is, uh, and uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of overlap between the real welfare of people. And I don't know, that that's my take, but yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So keeping time limit in mind, uh, we have to draw this insightful panel discussion to a close. So today we have engaged in a thought-provoking exchange of ideas, perspectives, and experiences that have truly enriched our understanding of the topic at hand. Our panelists have demonstrated exceptional expertise and passion, and their contributions have been nothing short of inspiring. From the intricacies of technological advancements to the nuances of social and environmental challenges, we have explored the multifaceted dimensions of the issues facing our society today. We have learned that progress is not just about scientific breakthroughs, but also about ethical considerations and sustainable practices. I would like to extend my heartfelt thanks to our panelists for their in uh, invaluable contributions to the organization, uh, organizing team for their unwavering uh, dedication, and to all of you who have joined us today for your active participation. Thank you. Thank you so much.